Welcome to episode 13 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am here with my badass co-host, Kristen Borton. Oh, that was a surprise. Good one. (laughs) I should be saying the same thing as well. And as always... We are in the home studio now since episode 10, and we've got Bear, although he's playing a little hard to get in terms of his hosting um, duties. (laughs) He's on a little prowler right now. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So it's been a couple weeks. We had done a pre-trip kind of episode with Sarah. So if you haven't already listened to episode 10, um, I would I would definitely recommend that you go back to episode 10 where we talked to Sarah about what she was planning for her trip. But now we finally get to do the wrap up of it. It is going to be a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's in the headspace for it now as well. So <laughs> it's quite a lot to talk about that we're going to put her on the uh, <laughs> on the hot seat for. I'm certainly feeling a lot less overwhelmed this time than when we recorded that episode because it was the day before I left, I think, that yes. we did it. And yeah. I was like a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> and then we recorded my Black All episode 24, less than 24 hours after that. And you had crewed for Cecilia. Like it was just a big few weeks, I think for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was for sure. Yeah. Finally in the headspace. So Sarah had, if you, hopefully now that you've listened to episode 10, you've jumped back in. <laughs> Sarah had an awesome trip um, out in the outback and I'm really excited to have her perspective kind of break down everything. If you do follow Sarah on Instagram or any of her social media stuff, she is quite good about posting things but I think it'll be pretty fun just to have the kind of fluid conversation with her about everything so it was epic it was huge and you actually gave me some stats to read through which I found very interesting (laughs) so your bike weighed roughly 30 kilos your distance in your car was 2,000 kilometers which I should name Brian I don't name things but Sarah does (laughs) <laughs> show some respect to my van uh distance on your bike celeste was 608 kilometers with 3900 meters of vert and over 50 percent of off-road and four by four routes uh distance by train which i thought was pretty funny to put in there nine and a half hours do you know the distance of it that you actually rode Oh, it's not that far. It's like I would have been probably quicker riding my bike. The spirit of the Outback is like a long distance, old fashioned sleeper type train. So, yeah, I don't know. It was just 900k. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, distance hiking in sandals and I read one of your Instagram posts that you had forgotten your running shoes so you hiked now do you say Tevas or Tevas? I say Teva but I think you're a Teva aren't you? Well I've gotten so confused there's a lot of things about being in Australia that I'm like what did I actually say so I think now naturally I, I would say Teva but you say Tiva? I say Tiva. Yeah if anybody's out there that can actually correct us uh distance hiking in sandals 43 kilometers with 1,200 meters of vert. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that actually turned out to be a surprising stat that I hadn't planned. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite interesting. Hopefully we'll get into that too. Longest day of riding was 10 hours off-road. Incredible. Uh, 136 kilometers with eight hours plus of moving time. So obviously I had a couple of breaks in there as well, I would assume. I had about two hours talking to an onion, yeah which we'll get into. We can name it Wilson if we want. <laughs> uh, max temperature day, max temperature day, 40 degrees Celsius. And we talked about how the heat is really different out there. How did that feel? Um, it felt hot. Yeah, yeah. it would have. <laughs> Any shade? I think that was the biggest thing. And obviously we can come on to it, but it wasn't just hot. There is no shade. Like it's a pretty barren landscape. And so I would be riding and think, okay, like I'm going to stop under the next tree. But you just have, if there are trees, there are these spindly things. The sun is so high in the sky that there's no shade under it. And it really, that was definitely the most relentless thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, rough. And then on the opposite end, uh, the min temp that you got was eight degrees Celsius. Yeah. My bike computer actually said four, but yeah. 
pretty chilly. So all the layers on. I guess yes. it could could have been worse, but just going from the forty to the eight, that's where it's it really messes contrast. with your body. Yeah. 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 Magpie swoops, countless. <laughs> oh my god. Knock on wood. I still have never been swooped by a magpie. We've had this conversation before. Yeah. Like I just don't know how that is possible. Yeah. But I think I must be taking all the hits for you because yeah. I'm a magnet. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, conversations with cows, numerous. Cold water gifted by strangers, roughly five liters. That yeah. would have been a savior Heaven. of five liters. <laughs> Onions received, one. And no flat tires or mechanical issues. That is definitely yeah. something to be celebrated. So yeah. that's awesome. Cool. Yes. Just a little quick one. I like that you put those together. <laughs> Thank you. We did a, a couple of questions there. But again, in the spirit of the podcast format, couple of quick fire questions just to warm us up okay <laughs> was there anything that you packed that you did not use um yes so the two things one well strictly speaking I did use it in the last five minutes of my trip on my final day just to make but, sure that you used it but to make sure I used it and because I had a need for it, it was a rain jacket oh I you had, had it tossed up yeah that or not and I wasn't going to and when I arrived, there were massive thunderstorms. Yeah. And so that actually changed the front end of my trip. But because of that, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to carry this rain jacket. The day I left, it was stormy. But to be honest, it was so freaking hot. I was not putting a rain jacket on. Um, and it's a very dry heat, so you do dry out quickly. It's not like the humidity here. So the rain jacket... I used for like five minutes in long reach before I got the train because it actually rained. And to be honest, I didn't need it, but I was like, hells yeah, yeah <laughs> it's raining. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> so I just walked around town in my rain jacket when nobody else was. Um, and then the other thing was a complete mistake. So I, by mistake, and this is so careless because it takes up a lot of space, I took two gas canisters, two like cylinders. Oh, yeah. You had talked about only bringing one. Yeah. And it was because I have a jet boil stove. Normally, I don't put the canister in the stove. You can, but I normally store the burner in there and a cloth and some other stuff. But in my packing, I decided oh, I'll be efficient this time, I guess, and put the cylinder in there. And it was only like a few days in when I went into another of my bags and was like oh my god I've packed another one because I'd forgotten I put it in the stove so I did needlessly carry around a gas cylinder because I couldn't exactly just ditch like there were no bins or anything totally. um so yeah that so you could have had way one. more coffee way more I oats. could have just <laughs> boiled everything yeah <laughs> if, had had if you wanted to yeah, with, yeah without any water and in 40 degree heat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and you used your Garmin inReach just to check in with people. Obviously, you didn't have to use that SOS button. Thank goodness. No, I didn't. Um, but I did use it as a tracker. So yeah, I, I set it to track me every day and then would have like a message when I got to camp. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And that would have been a nice reprieve probably for yourself as well with the outside world because there were points that you didn't actually have any um, reception. Yeah, I must have had three or four consecutive days of no signal. Yeah, which was actually awesome. But it was kind of nice as well to be like, oh, someone someone knows I'm here yes yeah. yeah someone's watching out for you even if it's yeah. kind of a um yeah just just through the Garmin in reach really yeah. yeah um how many different types of activities did you do besides riding your bike mm, so I rode my bike I um hiked as in we've touched on in my sandals <laughs> and it wasn't so much that I forgot my running shoes it was because I never planned on I only ever plan on taking my sandals but because I changed my trip at the start, I did have my van. I could have had my shoes. We can cover that. Um, I swam in water holes mm -hmm. and I watched chickens racing. Does that count as an activity? <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Out of left field, but of course it does. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, longest time on the trip without a proper shower. Yeah, that must have been, so that would have been my no resupply time. So four days, I guess. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. But I was fortunate that, that was also the time when I was camped beside this creek. Um, okay. So you did so have I, a bit of a dip. There was actually place. water. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. yeah that's forgivable. Yes. That was heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Favorite piece of gear that you were really happy to have brought. So we unnecessarily brought the extra canister. What was your favorite piece that you were yeah, really grateful that you had? Oh, I don't know. What was my favorite piece? I have to say my bike was just flawless in terms of it was so reliable. And so I have to like be so grateful for that. I'm trying totally. to think of something 
fun. I don't know. I lost my headphones on day one, so I thought that they. Did would you be actually? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I saw that post like from your one of your very first posts. I'm like, no way. Yeah, my Bluetooth bone conducting headphones oh, gone. Rough. Yes. So that was a shame because I thought that they would have been my friend. Um, well, the, that's the universe telling you that you needed to be with yourself. Yeah. No. No hiding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, to be honest, I actually, when, when you asked that question, coffee came to mind because it was just like such a nice little treat in the morning to wake up and have that and like a little black coffee luxury. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It'd make you feel normal on a very unnormal type of uh, trip for you guys. Exactly. <laughs> um, how long did your trip take? How long? Um, oh my gosh, how many days was I worried? Like 10 days, was it? You had planned to be away from 10 days, but how long did it actually take? Yeah, it took that the same amount of time as planned, only I bought myself a day off riding because I rode two days in one. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So that would have been kind of a savior as well to have that off day, hey? So yeah, I had an off day in Tambo, which is when I went to, to the chicken races. Yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, how excited was Ness to see you? Um, I reckon Ness was... A 10.5, that's for sure. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited were you to see Ness? Off the scale. Oh, Off the scale. It that's was, nice. It was actually so nice because like, I didn't want my trip to end, but I was also super excited about coming home to see Ness. Yeah. So that was kind of nice as well. Nice to have that, um, I guess, thing to come back home to as well. Yeah. Ness stayed at uh, work with us and she had such a fun trip, <laughs> like a fun holiday with us. She was out for socials like every day. She got training. Yeah, she, would, she had so much fun. I think... It, literally every time that she did like a toilet break she was with another dog as well like just playing and everything yeah she was great um would you do the trip again yes or no no cool (laughs) we can get into that later um and then looking back on the trip what are you most proud of yourself for oh gosh I'm most proud of how I handled myself um I was definitely undertrained in inverted commas going into it and like my body just astounded me I could just sit on my bike in what were like when I look back it's pretty crappy conditions like it was super hot and I re- I mean really relentless in the sun the road surfaces some days were just horrendous and I just kept going so yeah I'm kind of proud of my body for doing that and my mind for being pretty happy to do it as well that's amazing yeah Yeah. and we'll get into that as well cool quick fire done (laughs) um okay so again similar to podcast theme and things i'm just going to open the floor without any prompts just tell us about your trip yeah okay so um my trip it changed pretty much from day one compared to what i had planned so i had meticulously planned my days out but um, I drove up uh, to, I can't know how you pronounce it, like Bilawila? I don't know. But yeah, I think so. So north of here north and west. And um, the forecast, bearing in mind, it had been dry, like bone dry for weeks and weeks and weeks prior to my trip. Suddenly this whole storm front came in and there were thunderstorms planned for the first few days. And... Um, it was something like I was obviously aware it could happen. And I can't remember if I even knew that maybe the day before when we recorded the podcast initially, but they were like massive electrical storms. And so I got there, I knew about the storms and I also saw the highway that I'd planned to basically spend a couple of my days riding on. And that highway section was very functional. Like it was like, I need to get from this national park, which was Black Down Tablelands into another one essentially. And it was It was so functional. It wasn't going to be that exciting. And when I got there and saw how busy the highway was and really how boring it would be, I was like, oh, I can change things. I wonder if you can hear doggos barking in the the background. (laughs) We can always edit it out. (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, Shout out Moose and Bear. Yep. (laughs) So, yes. So, essentially, I got there and I just remapped the first half of my trip. Um, which was awesome. Yeah. Like I was so stoked with my decision. It meant that instead of riding the massive climb, we joked, oh, I could just drive oh, up there. True. Well, yeah. I, I just drove up there. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise what was going to happen was I was going to be riding it in fair weather. And then the next day when I got up into the tablelands, it was going to be terrible weather and I wasn't going to see anything. And I was like, 
why am I doing this? Like I've brought the van. Let's actually use the van as an awesome resource, which is exactly what happened. So I ended up driving up there. I did still ride a fair bit of the climb. Funny story. I thought I was in the middle of nowhere. It was day one. I was super excited to start my trip. I turn around and Sunshine Coast local Harry McCann is uh, walking towards me. I saw that. <laughs> Because we had only just seen him when we were out in Bunya a few weeks before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so funny. How random, too, right? Super stalking powers, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's pretty incredible. That's like a really funny thing to to laugh about. Yeah. It was so cool. So, yeah, he was there, um, which was great because I actually, like, I was so excited to see um, Harry and his wife, Donna, that I forgot to actually take, like, any snacks or anything for my ride that day. And when I got to the furthest point, which was actually, like, a decent ride, Ride, they were there and gave me like crisps and food and <laughs> like an aid station perfect that's the universe just looking out for you hey absolutely was <laughs> but yeah so I mean I don't want to go into too much detail but in short I ended up staying in my van for a couple of nights instead of riding which was kind of always your plan um, because of the the back aspect of it. Hey, it was, you never wanted to have the plan to pull out, but had you started and gone like, oh man, this is really not what I had hoped it would be and how I hoped I would feel, then you had that contingency as well. So was it extra days that you hadn't planned for that you did stay in, Brian? Yeah, it was extra days. um, And it also changed in the sense that I'd said oh I'm not going to Carnarvon Gorge on this trip oh that's right and then you went to Carnarvon but then I decided you know what it was like a six hour return like a total drive I I drove to Carnarvon and I hiked into the gorge and it was just amazing and so so fantastic so yeah he kind of bought me some extra time because I wasn't riding along the highway I was able to go and do that hike instead because very early on as well you messaged me going I've found a mantra and what was your mantra from like the first or second day that you had decided oh yeah it was like make good choices there are no rules I yeah think, something like that yeah and I think that kind of dictated and that most just, of your trip hey yeah because I'd always I think I'd always had the make good choices mantra from the start it's like okay this is just all about making good choices and mm. allowing for like where I am and then the, there are no rules became really important because it was like yeah gosh it all seems like a distant memory already but there was like an, there was an ego thing that came in there because I was like hang on I've said I'm doing this like 700 kilometer bike ride and I'm staying in my van and, I, and I'm hiking and I've completely abandoned the first few days of my route like and then I just like stepped back and was like nobody cares like you're here not to suffer on the highway you're here to like have a good time it meant I got to see another part of a national park that I wasn't going to see. It was an epic day. And that was just a real wake up of like, okay, why am I here? Yeah, I'm here for myself to have fun, essentially. Totally. That would have um, been a good kind of first couple day lesson, right? It really was. So yeah, there are not there are no rules. And make good choices, there are no rules. Like it's essentially life, right? Totally. Like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Sometimes we just need that reminder. And I think that's cool where like adventure comes in and those little missions do remind you of the bigger picture as well. Yeah. 100%, yeah. So yeah, I like I could talk forever, but I essentially eventually left the van and then that's when like the real bike packing um began. And from then on in, I pretty much followed my original plan in terms of all those days of resupply. But I did I bought myself another day where I went into another national park, Minerva Hills National Park, that was awesome as well that I hadn't wasn't going to have time for before. So essentially instead of these rubbish highway days, I ended up in Carnarvon Gorge and in Minerva Hills and then traversed as I'd planned to across the top of Carnarvon National Park into Salvatore Rosa and then towards Tambo, Blackall, and then I got picked up by Genevieve and Lars in Blackhall and they had put their Waco fridge in, in the back seat and filled it with like cheese and crackers and fresh fruit and cold water <laughs> and oh then we drove to Long Reach. <laughs> that is what heaven looks like after so many days. Oh my gosh it's so like cold cold things were just like the biggest treat ever and then like delicious fresh fruit and cheese and oh they were it was wonderful it was a really awesome way to finish the trip but it was always that thing of okay cool like I'm riding to see Genevieve and Lars and then to have the weekend with them in Longreach and see where they live and then get the train back like it was a really cool loop actually cool yeah that's awesome now you skipped over pretty much everything we went from like day two to day ten of, and then Genevieve and Lars picked me up so what did a normal day kind of look like and I know every day probably was very different but what kind of 
kind of a, a normal day look like? Yeah, I mean, every day was different mm-hmm. and it would vary. I like I didn't just camp. I did stay in motels for a couple of nights as well. And that really, the start was about preserving myself because I was very unsure of how I was going to go. Um, and having like a, a dry space to pack my bike as well, because that's a, what had delayed my start, essentially. I was trying to pack my bike like in a massive storm in a muddy field and it's just impossible. And I didn't want to make any mistakes because... The way I'd planned it, because I thought I was going to have six days no resupply, I had to pack my food up front as and carry it, even though I didn't need it for the next couple of days. It's like, I don't want to be leaving anything in the van. And you know how tidy my van is, Kristen. So, <laughs> I mean, there was a slight risk of that happening. <laughs> Sarah's very organized in her own brain. <laughs> I'm sure you look at your van and you go, I know where everything is. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Typically, yeah. <laughs> Except for your contacts at one time. Oh, yeah, indeed. Um, yes, well, I can't remember what I was saying. <laughs> Just being able to pack everything up and not leave things behind. What a normal oh, a normal day, day. Like. yeah. yeah. Um, I guess if I was camping, a normal day looked like wake up, um, pack up my tent, make coffee, make breakfast, get on my bike. And I was just... I don't know what was with me on this trip, but I was so slow. Like it was taking me like an hour to break my camp down and get on the road, like which really it shouldn't. But for whatever reason, I must have just been faffing around. It was taking me like an hour between waking up, sorting myself out. I think because like you are packing everything up each time. Um, and it's not like I don't know what I'm doing because you're doing the same thing every morning. But for whatever reason, maybe because I was like taking pictures and stuff as well that was kind of slow but then yeah I would try and get riding as early as possible but in daylight and just being conscious that I was freezing overnight on some nights and you'd wake up and I'd be in my puffer jacket but the minute the sun comes up like it starts getting hot so it's like okay let's try and get a head start on that Knowing, though, that I was still going to be out in the middle of the day. For the majority of your day. For the majority of the day. Every day. Every day, yeah. So it was really just a case of, like, open the GPX file on my Garmin and ride. Um, Make sure I had enough water. Although, if I was in the middle of nowhere, it was just like, this is what I have. Being very mindful of what I was consuming water-wise was a massive thing for those days of no resupply, for sure. Um, yeah, just being a camel, which I feel like I excelled at by the end, to be honest. But um, it's amazing how your body adapts. Like that's so a quickly. full different conversation as mm-hmm. well of how quickly your body does pick up some of those adaptations. Yeah. They did studies about pe- people um, hiking through the PCT and, you know, they're doing day after day after day. And so you would assume that their body's starting to break down at a certain stage, but at a certain point, it actually starts to adapt and get stronger. So your first few days, maybe a couple weeks as well, even, you know, you're very tired and sore and lethargic and it's just different than what your body's used to but then it just becomes so muscle memory and you get better and better and better yeah so it happens very quickly too yeah it really surprised me because I mean I wasn't out there for that long at all really in the grand scheme of things but I know like when I'm say I'm racing an ultra like running I'll drink 500 mils an hour like I sweat a lot and I that's that's kind of my baseline by the final day, well, no, by the final longest day, which was 10 hours out in the sun, like off-road, it was hard going. I'd only had two and a half liters of water by the end of the day. Wow. Like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wasn't feeling amazing, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't recommend it. I'm not an expert here, but it's just that thing of like, whoa, I just made that adaptation very quickly. And I mean, 500 mils, it's like a lot an hour, but it is just that like, it's very curious to realize that about yourself. I had to start off being very mindful and like, do not drink. And then by the end, just be like, oh, hang on, I should probably drink something. Yeah, cool. So you got to, yeah, experience all of that as well. Yeah. Um, What was your, like, again, we've kind of skipped over things and I know there's probably so much to break down per day. And I encourage you guys, if you do want like a breakdown day by day, to go to Sarah's Instagram because I think you do a pretty good job of day one through day 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was your most memorable day? Oh, gosh. It's, I think maybe when we talked to Toby, he he alluded to this in terms of like, it's hard to pick a highlight. And 
I guess the polar opposite days kind of come into mind. So one where like I just had the best time and one where it was actually really freaking hard and that's memorable in itself. Um, Gosh, it's so hard because I also think of all the people I met and they like really made the memories as well. So I suppose one of my like cool memorable days was arriving at Salvatore Rosa at the campsite on the Nagura River. So that's like at the top of Carnarvon or the back of Carnarvon National Park. And it was just super exciting to get there because there was a campsite and a toilet and a picnic bench. <laughs> oh, and a creek. Like this, little things in life. This was like, hells yeah. <laughs> because the night before I'd slept on the roadside, I was actually really scared. Like there were wild dogs barking all around me. And even though there wasn't anyone at the campsite when I got there, it was like, they're just this like, oh, there's like a bit of civilization um, and the creek was awesome because I did my laundry. So I like washed my whole wardrobe, which obviously isn't extensive. Four pieces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and lay in the creek. So it was like cold water. Like, oh, that would have felt so great. These basic things, like that's memorable because it was like, oh, like I've had this. It didn't even feel like a suffer fest. Although if I look back at some of my videos, it probably was at the time. But you know, I think like endurance uh, people were like have the best short term memory, which is why we go back and do totally. these things again. Yeah. But that was awesome. Those simple things were honestly so cool. I realized that I had cycled to this beautiful place. So I'd gone through all this barren outback landscape. And I know in my previous podcast, I kept saying desert. I didn't really mean desert. I mean outback, but you know. Talk about the difference between them. Um, I probably don't have a definition. Yeah. Um, but I, there are specific deserts in Australia. I wasn't in a designated desert. Right, right. Um, outback is more like that rural bush Australia. That in-between zone. Mm. <laughs> and that's that's where when I got to Nagoa, it's like this lush, beautiful section of National Park. You have all these sandstone cliffs, which are absolutely spectacular. And I met um, in the afternoon there, I was just hanging out, like literally just enjoying having my tent up and not having to do anything because I had a short day of riding there because I'd ridden a lot the day before. So I was kind of buying myself time. And this lovely couple, um, Jenny and Greg, rolled into camp in a four wheel drive and they were just there. They'd just been checking it out as like an afternoon trip. And um, came and chatted to me because obviously like it's a curious thing seeing I didn't see anyone on a bicycle the entire time I was away so really yeah like no what? one not one single person not even <laughs> in a town I didn't see anyone on a bicycle um in 40 degree heat nobody else wanted to go on their bike no like for some reason strange. on these yeah. like really beautiful bumpy four by four tracks <laughs> four by four tracks in the curious. burning heat no one else was there <laughs> come on guys <laughs> And again, remember your quick fire question, you would not do this again. <laughs> it's not to say someone else might not. Um, so Jenny and Greg. Jenny and Greg, yeah, this lovely couple. I think maybe from Rockhampton or, or that direction. But yeah, they'd just been exploring and they were so excited because they'd just been into the National Park and they were showing me pictures of the waterholes and like telling me where to go. And um, had gave, they were people that gave me water. So that was so cool. I was just at my tent. Jenny came across with like a beer or like an I was gonna say an orangina, but that's like a European thing, but basically like a fizzy orange drink. And she's like, would you like one of these? And I took the fizzy drink and immediately put it on my face. And she was like, I guess it's to drink. Like, yeah, but I haven't had anything cold, like (laughs) for days. Oh, that would have felt so nice. It was so nice. And then like I went across, had a chat to them. They gave me watermelon as well. They had this incredible vehicle that Greg had essentially created himself that someone else had called a Swiss army knife of vehicles because like pits just like popped out everywhere, like this crazy gadget thing. Anyway. Did he have a drone? Was he one of those no, guys? No, they were that no, they were not. They were like proper like bushwalking attire, like yeah, not not a drone type, I don't think. But anyway, they, I said goodbye to them because I went for a hike to explore where they'd recommended. And I came back and there was a care package beside my tent. And there was a little note from them that was beautiful. And there were two oranges which had been handpicked from their garden, a tomato, something else, an apple maybe, and an onion. And so this is where like the onion story began. But I like I just burst into tears 
when I saw this and looking back at the video like it's so hard to convey and I think this is the hardest thing I find about the trip is unless you've been out there or you've done something like this it's actually it's really hard to describe because you can't feel the heat and you don't feel the fatigue and like the emotion the like successes and then the stuff that goes wrong it's really hard to convey and I normally love writing and I've really struggled like I've done those updates but they've kind of got shorter and I kind of feel like they're they're more functional because I just yeah to think that I cried because someone gave me an orange you know it's like really like that doesn't happen in day-to-day life but I was just so grateful and it was it was that whole kindness of strangers and really hitting home that before I left or before I go on any like solo adventure people are really worried for me for my safety and the biggest fear is people and yet everyone I met and there weren't a huge amount of people but every single person I met was so incredibly kind and so generous you know like a guy working on the roadside gave me water from his truck this like cowboy guy offered me a lift in his ute and then the next day came out of the property and was like I was waiting for you to go past and I was worried about you like I thought you got a lift like people are looking out for you Um, and they're genuinely just curious and they're not I didn't meet anyone who was scared for me out there you know it's just like a respect like wow you're like braving these elements and like I personally wouldn't want to do this but like good for you and like how can we help you so that was that's where the memorable bit comes in because it was just like the real kindness of those people that you meet it's so special absolutely and I think that's probably like the connection that you have with people can be so underrated and I think we've spoken about it on the podcast before as well of like how special is it to have genuine connections with people because I think it's rarer to find nowadays and then yeah when you're in the middle of nowhere and you're going I haven't seen a human being for another three days and you're being so kind to me like that's just that overwhelming just sense of gratitude and thankfulness and just appreciation for people right Mm. we talked about in your opening uh, like your pre-planning trip that I think genuinely people actually want the best for us like I don't think that most people want to do malice right so they're not a concern they they're curious and they're happy to help yeah they absolutely are and I mean it's it's not to say like it's not that I go out there naively thinking I'm completely safe as as much as I just said no one was worried about me I did meet this guy this older guy in um, Tambo who owns a bunch of properties like real like in his Akubra telling me how like I should be sleeping with a gun because you know there are people out there in the bush that want to rob you there are, you know, not everyone is incredible. And yeah. the night that I slept beside the road and had those dogs around my tent, like a vehicle went past at midnight and I was in, I really was in the middle of nowhere and seeing the headlights coming, like hearing it coming from miles, I was like, what is someone doing out here at midnight? You know, mm-hmm. I definitely had moments. I was aware. Um, I wasn't just like hugging every stranger I met. <laughs> Well, you can't do that with COVID anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like you say, the gratitude was just so enormous. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Especially after all of that, like you're saying, yeah, words can only tell probably so much. And I think that's why some of these big adventures and just these big feats that we can do are so overwhelming with that emotion that you can really only get once you have done it and experienced it. And I think people probably who have done it would look at your video of you crying because somebody gave you a care package going, I know that feeling. Like, I think everybody has their own types of experiences once you've felt that as well. You've maybe not felt your exact heat, but they've felt that same, I guess, in, um, what am I trying to say? Like, you've just, you you almost come across yourself of being so, so good and um, so strong as well. And I also think, like, there's a real rawness to to it. You know, like, you are kind of, not not that you're stripped down I didn't do anything like super super hard but yeah your existence becomes very simple and your appreciation for simple things becomes huge totally that's a great way to say it that's awesome yeah Yeah. you so we talked kind of about your memorable stuff and you've kind of mentioned a couple of these moments that you weren't I guess overly comfortable with the kind of howling dogs and stuff was Mm -hmm. that kind of your most um on edge kind of frightful moment that you might have had is that night sleeping on the side of the road or was there anything else that kind of popped up for you yeah like that was definitely when I look back the only time when I like I was genuinely scared 
Um, and I was already really tired going into that night. Like I'd, that was the most, so I, that day was like another 10 hour a day. And I, I pretty much, although the hours don't add up, it felt like I pretty much rode from sunrise to sunset. Um, I planned just that day. It was like, I'll ride a hundred Ks and I'll stop. But I got to a hundred Ks and I was like, I'm in the middle of nowhere and it's like early afternoon and if I put my tent up here I'm just going to be frying and not moving anywhere so I figured I may as well keep going and see if I can find somewhere better to sleep and just not be sitting in the sun I may as well be moving in the sun right like there's just no shade so I'd had a massive day and that actually um that night when I set up my tent I it's probably like the lowest point I'd had in the trip and I I was just like think I'm done with solo stuff like I I've said it out loud like I think I'm I don't know why I'm here like I have nothing to prove I know that I'm capable and I think I'm done so I I was just really looking forward to the sun going down to get some sleep because I was so tired and then the sun went down and then the dogs came out and I was just like I'm really tired I'm really scared like when you're in a tent in an open plane like the dogs probably miles away sound travels like in an incredible way but it felt like they were really close and it felt like they were moving around me and they were packs barking like really wildly barking and howling like it just doesn't feel good when Mm -hmm. you're like kind of there and I was really cold as well and it got to the point where I was like Sarah it's just it's like a boarding kennel on a property and it's like Ness and Bear and Moose and during the night they've just decided to start barking and you're you're out there like all this stuff just trying to be like oh like I I was never like I guess I realized I don't panic I was really calm but I was just like I don't like this yeah so yeah that was definitely the most like scared that I was um like the only other thing that I can even think of that happened I wasn't scared I was just like whoa was on my final day I was riding on the highway and um you have massive road trains out there and I don't know like if a road train is a global term I don't think I knew what it was in the UK it's, I don't think we have it in America well we would just call them like really big you trucks. know trucks yeah yeah so you're thinking like I'm going to say lorry. It's like a lorry with two or three massive, like an articulated lorry with two or three massive trailers. Like Mm. these things are like 60 meters long or something crazy. Well, because they have so much more distance to go to actually get all the supplies somewhere. So they're like, let's just stack it on. And they don't see very many other kind of these road trains going by yeah but yeah one of your posts said that they are actually really they were actually so respectful so because a lot of people before like oh don't ride on the highway the road trains are dangerous and you do see them swaying around a lot of them are like cattle trucks as well and they are all over the place but they can obviously see you coming from a long way away and they would just take a really wide berth i mean I felt so much safer riding on those highways than I would on a, if I was like wearing like on a road bike on the sunny coast where people here try and target you essentially. So they were great. But this final day I had this road train approaching me and bearing in mind when they go past, you have this effect of like you're doing a track stand, like you're basically stationary on your bike because you get sucked in and I would just be like, smile at the driver, then like squint my eyes, brace, 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 and then pretty much stationary and then keep pedaling. So this would happen over and over. But as one was coming towards me, it's mudguard. And the mudguards on these things, I mean, off the scale, huge, right? Like this giant arch came flying off and the wheel started shredding. So I had like burning rubber. This is like right around you. Yeah, like coming towards me. So I just got like smashed by all this shredded wheel. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, that sounds terrible. So yeah, it wasn't the most pleasant, but I was absolutely fine. It all happened really quickly, but it was just one of those moments of like, like this burning hot rubber just firing at my face and everything else Um, was the only time where I was like, oh yeah, this isn't ideal, but. Yeah. So you meant yeah, you mentioned the low and you mentioned a couple of these things as well. Like what what do you draw back on of oh, I'm just done, right? Like how do you get yourself back up every day out of well, maybe necessity because you you have to unless you want to walk it out. But like how what why? Like why did you do this? Why did you keep going? What did you do to draw back on it like to get you out of these low points? So I I guess the first thing I would say is I actually 
was really positive the majority of the time. And it was a really good reminder for me of this is why I can do endurance stuff because even the shit stuff generally like I just laugh and I'm like, oh, this is hell, but I'll keep going. The necessity, like that's no joke. Like there were the one day where I think where I was like, okay, I'm really over this. I had no choice. Like I either like stop and put my tent up and sleep in the baking heat where I don't really want to sleep or I keep going. Like actually that no choice thing is real. Like when you're in the middle of nowhere, there was no bailout at all. So it was just like, get to the town. Like genuinely that was it. But otherwise, yeah, I, I really think, and this is again, like an adventure versus life lesson. Like my self-talk when I'm out there is freaking awesome. That's so good. You know, yeah. like nothing like my day-to-day <laughs> like look in the mirror in the morning I'm like oh god you know it's like my positivity when I'm on my own out on those adventures it's like it's remarkable <laughs> <laughs> and you wish you could pull a little bit of that right into your everyday life and I, I think it's because you're so stripped down and raw and it's this is the only thing that you have to do is you just have to get up and ride your bike and you're like I can do that and and that's exactly it and there's gratitude in there as well because yeah. it's like and I, I think I have a video where I'm like, I chose to be here. Like, how funny. But yeah, I, I chose to be here. And it is that, hey, how many people in the world get this opportunity to do something like this? Like, I'm freaking lucky. And yeah, it's hard. But I knew it was going to be hard. Like, I didn't go out there thinking, oh, this is a blissful environment to ride my bike in. So yeah, gratitude is a massive part of it as well. That's for sure. Definitely. How did your body hold up the whole time? My body was amazing. Wow. Like, blew me away. Yeah. Um, For how unfit and not strong I am at the moment, it, I mean, we are essentially aerobic systems designed to just keep doing this stuff, but I was just able to sit on my bike and keep going yeah and I mean the route planning came into that as well like if I'd had intensity or I'd had massive climbs I'm sure things would be very different but I I didn't really it was more just like the road surface was challenging but it was pretty flat mostly accessible yeah Yeah, it was just probably the burning sun that made you uh yeah that was probably the biggest thing that you probably had to overcome was just the hate and management of that yeah Yeah, which it sounds like your body did great to adapt to as well yeah there were a few days as well that you did not see another soul. So it sounds like your uh, your mental game stayed strong. But uh, let's talk about the onion. If anybody was following along with Sarah's trip, again, going back to Jenny and Greg, giving you the onion, you were so enormously grateful for it. But also, what are you going to do with an onion, <laughs> right? So the onion kind of became this like almost... Um, you know, here's me and the onion in this spot, and then here's me and the onion the other. I, I, I like it's kind of your Wilson of Castaway. So talk about the onion <laughs> and the importance, and just the whole story. Yeah, it, it was my little Wilson, that's for sure. Um, I never thought when I left that I'd be talking to an onion sitting in a ditch on the side of the road, but hey, that's that's life out there. Um, and when I look back, it looks ridiculous, but at the time, like it didn't really feel that ridiculous. I was just laughing at the irony that I had spent so much money on this super lightweight freeze-dried or dehydrated food and I was gifted this onion and when I was given it I was thinking I didn't have any way of cutting it because I just had a plastic spork. I actually had a Leatherman so I could have cut it but like I was just eating food out of a bag like I didn't really know what I was going to do with the onion. So I like I operate on a very strict leave no trace principle so I wasn't going to launch it into the bush which meant that I was squeezing it into my bags like every day (laughs) to carry it with me. It was sitting in my feed bag at one point. Um, So yeah, I I pretty much, it just became like a little bit of entertainment for me because, you know, it was curious that I was carrying an onion and I know it sounds freaking ridiculous. And I think this is the thing that I say, I'm I'm actually really good in my head on my own. And then I look back at like, the content like the videos I was taking I also recorded voice memos as a way of just recording because I was like oh, I'm in such a good place and I look back oh, like, how fun that would be so great to mm, look back on really yeah. cool and I'm actually trying so I'm side note I'm trying to make a clip at the moment like a short film and I'm using the voice memos essentially as the narrative in it awesome. because I like I was so present when I was out there it's really cool to listen back and be like whoa like so present um but yes 
essentially I'm like yeah I'm really good in my head and I look back and I'm like I, I was talking to my bike a lot I was talking to an onion like definition of how good you are in your head like I felt happy so I feel like that's good in my head but you do get to some interesting um traits I guess yeah <laughs> you also were talking to cows as well oh. there are a couple of videos of you going like don't chase guys. me <laughs> Which was pretty funny to watch. Yeah, there were so many cows. And cows were big when you're up close. And like at one point they were chasing like all of them. A herd of them were coming after me. I was like, there's been a mix up. I, I've got nothing for you guys. What, like how was the wildlife out there? Yeah, so I actually thought I would see a lot more. Um, I Because I was excited about seeing emus. And I didn't see any apart from a dead stripy baby one on the road. Uh, but when I got to Longreach, I saw families, which was cool. You just go to parkies. Say out of Fluffy. But there is Fluffy, I know, I know. Although he's quite little compared to the ones I saw out there. Oh, so, were they quite big? Yeah, yeah Ooh, very, that would have been cool. Mm. Um, and then I saw two dead baby feral pigs, mm. but dead, like a lot of kangaroos, wallabies, a lot of bird life. And I have to say, I don't, I'm not very knowledgeable about birds. So I'm sure I saw some pretty cool stuff in Carnarvon, but I can't identify it, unfortunately. Um, there was an indigenous man that I met one morning at camp and he had asked if I'd heard the Mopok calling during the night. And I was like, oh, I heard some birds, um, but I don't know what a Mopok is. But he was tell- he was there. And this is, again, a really cool connection. He was there to celebrate. It would have been like his grandmother's 104th birthday or something. And she oh. was a Karakar woman. So that's Karakara country in that particular spot. And the Mopok was her totem. So for him to be like on his family's country and then hearing her totem calling during the night was just so special. And it was just like a real reminder. I had a really nice conversation about with him about listening to country. Um, and yeah, like every, to be honest, every day when I was riding, I spoke to country. I told of my intentions and like asked for safe passage and I did that every single day like throughout the day and it was just yeah I don't know just like a special thing to do and my my knowledge is so limited unfortunately and I would love to learn more about our indigenous history because when you're out there I have to say it's so focused on like Sir Thomas Mitchell whoever the white person was that supposedly discovered this land and it's very very focused on that interesting even Mm. all the way out in the middle of where you were yeah Yeah. indeed much more recent history so Mm. yeah I would love to learn more yeah cool yeah were the kangaroos quite big out there yes some were absolutely enormous yeah (laughs) Yeah. I would love to see like the ones that stand you know six to eight feet tall and they're just all muscle Muscle. yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. there were plenty of those but no wildlife and I actually we didn't I don't think even mentioned it in the previous podcast but snakes are obviously a big thing oh we didn't mention it no, yeah talk I, about didn't, snake. I didn't see a single snake oh amazing yeah no, no ropes <laughs> no no ropes or wriggle sticks to be seen at all yeah which we can give lots of gratitude for yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah so wildlife yeah i didn't see a huge amount i don't know if it's because it was really dry like i'd hope that there would be more wildflowers but i must have just missed it or yeah wrong kind of time yeah australian animals are very weird so, I mean, kangaroos are nocturnal and they only eat grass. And so I joke with this about Phil all the time of like, why do they need to eat the grass at night? Is it something with photosynthesis that happens during the day? Like, why? And why do they exist? Why are wombats a thing? What, there's pouches on all of it. Like, these are just inefficient animals that God just dumped or whoever dumped into Australia. Like, they're so inefficient. So they're probably all around, but they were probably all sleeping. Well, it's freaking hot during the day out there, so I would just be eating grass at night as well, True. So maybe it's just, yeah. But they're they're meant to be built for the heat anyway. Uh, they're like dinosaurs, Booth. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. They're, yeah. they're so cool, but they're so weird. Yeah. So what ended up happening with the the onion? Because that is the question on everybody's mind is what happened? So I regifted, well, I did try to regift the onion actually to a couple who I met on motorbikes. Um, but and they went, no, this is of no use to us. <laughs> 
pretty much exactly that. And I pretty much just was like, hey, I'm Sarah. Would you like my onions? So that probably didn't help either. I needed yeah. to work on my sales pitch, but my social skills were lacking out there. Um, so I re-gifted the onion to Genevieve and Lars, who I stayed with in Longreach. And on my last night, Lars made it into like a caramelized onion, um, which we then had on burgers. So it was like a beautiful end. Perfect. That's yeah. a great end. Because it didn't go bad or anything. It actually was... Well, yeah, it was very resilient. <laughs> totally. Jenny and Greg would have been very proud. Yeah, very happy with the use of that onion. <laughs> Did it last that whole time? Do onions go yeah. bad? Well, it Surely was fine. they do. Like it was this one was okay? On my bike, yeah. In 40 degree heat, it didn't mm. like already start to bake itself. <laughs> no, it was good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, now, we mentioned that you didn't have any flats or mechanicals or anything like that. So that's awesome. Mm. Is there anything that you would change about your bike setup, even though you have had, you know, that quote quote success yeah no to be honest I feel like my bike setup was awesome my only thing is and this is just shout out to all the short-legged people out there is my clearance between my rear tire and my saddle is pretty limited so um I wanted to run like a, a pretty classical bike packing setup without a rack which means I have a saddle bag and I can only fit a seven liter saddle bag in there so literally that was my tent I would love to be able to fit more I'd have to use a rack if I want to do that in future so that's just a consideration but it was cool I um, didn't mention previously but in terms of my bike I also run a dynamo hub so you obviously don't have power when you're out there and the that worked so well for charging a battery cache which then charged like my inreach my bike computer, um, I have my Garmin watch, my phone, my GoPro, like that just works super well. Even though typically you need to be going at like a decent speed, as long as I was at like 10 Ks an hour, it was, it was charging. So that was great. And that's the thing that you were telling me about that hooks up to the back of your wheel charges while you're riding yeah so it's it's essentially like having a little generator in your hub it's actually on your front wheel I don't really know if that's relevant yeah um and it connects like yeah basically motion creates power and um it feeds my front light and also this little USB connector, which I then plug a battery pack into. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. That would have been a saving grace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for some yeah. of that stuff that you were using. Yeah. yeah. Did you do like a lot of documentation? Obviously, we've seen a bit on Instagram with your stories and stuff like that. Did you use your drone and GoPro and phone just for different types of content? Yeah, I totally did. The drone, like I don't know how to fly a drone and I really need to learn because I waste so much battery just like putting the thing up and it facing the wrong direction and flying off um so I took three batteries for the drone this was like serious luxury because I didn't have any way of charging it it's a different charging device yeah so it was kind of like once those batteries are gone the drone is gone but I'm happy that I got some cool shots anyway um and when I know how to fly it it'll get even better but yeah I use the GoPro a lot and use my phone and have a bunch of video and like I say um the voice memo thing which I'd never done before as well which I'm happy I did any particular voice memos that stand out to you that um, I think like the the main message or the the main one for me was like there's this saying that wherever you are, there you are. And a lot of people when you go on these adventures talk about it like it's a form of escapism. And the reality is, yes, it can be seen that way. Yeah, I don't have to like show up to an office and all of that stuff and I'm out having fun, but you do create your own reality wherever you are. And when I was out there, I was just so convinced that it's like, yeah, like I choose my own thoughts. I create my own reality. Like how I respond to anything is absolutely within my power to control. And this isn't escapism. Like every day, how I choose to show up for life, whether it's on an adventure or at home is my choice. So that was like a, I, I've learned those lessons like over the past years, but it was just like, I felt it so deeply in my body when I was out there and that comes across in one of the voice memos for sure yeah that's amazing that's that's a super cool thing to look back on because it would have been so in the moment Mm. and probably a really nice thing to relearn like you said you've probably learned that lesson before but have it re-come up during your during your trip as well were there any sort of like final um when you finish the trip you know, sometimes you get to the end of a finish line and you're like, okay, it almost feels anticlimactic. How did you feel on that very last day? You know, I'm sure relief, a little, maybe not relief is the right word, but you know, you saw 
Lars and um, Genevieve and it would have been excitement like hey guys how's it going but for yourself internally was there any sort of feeling that you had after finishing it? Yeah um, so I finished in Blackhall and I had a night there before Genevieve and Lars picked me up and I rode into town and there were some horses in a field and I went and spoke to them and told them what I'd done. <laughs> so you were in a really good headspace. <laughs> And they didn't care at all. And I was like, yeah, sweet. Like, nobody cares. Um, and I, it was like, so after that celebration with the horses, I then went to the server. And um, because they had cold stuff there, that was exciting. So I bought an icy pole, a can of full fat Coke, and a zero alcohol Peroni. And I don't even drink beer. You don't drink beer. No, I know, but it was in a fridge and it was really cold. And I sat in the forecourt of the server with a stray dog and I like opened all my drinks in my icy pole and I was like cool I've done it like and it was so anticlimactic but that's also that was not to like downplay what I did but that was also sort of my attitude for the whole trip was like there are no rules this doesn't really matter like looking back I've learned a lot of lessons for sure but I wasn't looking for the balloon arch. I did actually message Matt as I was writing it or message you as well, yeah. tag you saying, where's my balloon arch? Yeah. But it, it was just that thing of like, yeah, cool, it's done. I was very calm. And there is um, a local highlight in Blackhall called the Black Stump. And I cycled around just to see that since it's like the local thing. And there was a couple there who are actually from the sunny coast and they were four wheel driving around and they asked what I did. And they asked to have a picture with me when like I told them what I'd done. And I was like cool like this is so random and like that's perfect because the whole trip was pretty random really yeah um so yeah I I didn't have that sense of like disappointment that there was nothing there because it was almost perfect because the whole thing was nothing there exactly (laughs) yeah yeah you had done it literally all by yourself from beginning to end there was nobody there with you so why would anybody be there at the end yeah Yeah. (laughs) have you ridden your bike since you've come back um, I actually have only taken this out with my my bike so far. Yeah, I haven't done any rides. Yeah, well, mm. sometimes that's not a bad thing. Like, I know a lot of people get straight back into training or something after a really big event. And just because you can doesn't mean you should, too. So I'm sure your body probably appreciated a little bit of a rest as well afterwards. Yeah, yeah, my body feels good, but it's just one of those things I'm like, oh. And it's, it is also that thing of, oh, I've been riding in all these different places and I'm going to go back and like ride the same under the highway through the same drain that I've done a hundred times. Like that's one thing I do always not struggle with, but face, I guess, when I come back from a different place to like the daily grind. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes it can give you a bit of that appreciation for the daily grind because you're working the daily grind for those big adventure trips. But yeah, sometimes it is just getting back into it a little bit of a slog because you have had such a great experience elsewhere and you're like, okay, back to this (laughs) so do you have anything else that's kind of on your horizon again nobody likes to even think about the next thing coming up but it's always something to think about as well is there anything that's inspiring you or you know do you like doing these trips in the middle of the whole thing you're like I'm done with solo trips Mm. like do you want to do another one now that you've done it oh of course (laughs) of course I mean (laughs) short-term memory (laughs) like the next morning even with the dogs and stuff the next morning I woke up and was like this is the best thing in the world you know like that's what it's like right you have those ups and downs and that's what makes it as well so yes I definitely want to do um more trips definitely some bikepacking stuff I'm planning to do um a long weekend actually on Stratty with um Alice in Wonderland shout out um Instagram friend coming up uh, next month so that'll be cool little short thing and just connect with someone who I've talked to a lot over Instagram but haven't met in person and that's I guess one thing that was missing from this trip that Toby highlighted about riding the divide was the community that he met while he was out there like I obviously didn't meet very many people the people I did were awesome but there's there's not that sense of anyone understanding what you're doing or why you're out there at all but yeah yeah, I mean I really doing this trip reminded me that pre-covid I had set the intention to trail run the length of Scotland and I really want to do that still so I'm hoping borders open up and I I get to do that at some point in the next couple of years that means you have to come trail running with me again (laughs) (laughs) hells yeah hells yes (laughs) I'm not going backpacking with you sorry Uh, actually no I'll do the continent I was about to say I'll do that, but nothing else. But nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Just I don't want any in. lead outs. I just, and yeah, it'll just be straight into that. <laughs> That'll be amazing. So yeah, maybe a little bit um, of a focus 
with the bike but also back on your two feet hey yeah for sure and that's partly because of ness as well like yeah, it's just true. easier to run with her so absolutely yeah. yeah do you so you know doing that with alice in wonderland shut up <laughs> <laughs> um and having just that moment of the oh i don't know what i, I don't want to do solo stuff anymore do you still love the solo aspect of it? Do you feel like you want to do more things with more people? Like, where is your mindset now coming after the trip? Yeah, I, I still love the solo aspect. And there is no doubt that that trip that I just did, I it would have been very hard with someone else because I applied that there are no rules, make good choices mantra. I chopped and changed a lot. I rode way extra some days, like I was shorter on others. I changed even my start point, like so much changed um, that that was, I was just like so grateful to be on my own and be able to make those choices and it not impact anyone else and me just be selfish and do what I needed to do. And um, that being said, I definitely want to do some group stuff as well, for sure. And be that running or um, riding or whatever it is. Yeah. Like I, I still, because I, I was planning to do Hunt. And yeah. Then yeah. What's going on with that's Hunt? Because I moved to okay. um, March, April next year, which I probably wouldn't be able to make. Um, but there are, are lots of other alternatives popping up. So yeah, I definitely plan to do some group stuff as well, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Because I think there's a whole different aspect that you probably do have to get a bit good at working with a group. In some regards, solo probably easier which feels a little bit funny because again on the days that you're like all right I'm done you can pull up a little bit short on the days that you want to go further all right cool I'm going to take it that a little bit extra more so you've almost got more flexibility well you not almost you do have more flexibility being by yourself so it it's a totally different ball game working with a team it it totally is I also think like from the people that have contacted me after I've done this trip I like I probably gloss over a lot of the solo aspect. It yeah. is easier from flexibility. There's a lot of fear out there about doing stuff on your own. And there's no doubt I was in the middle of nowhere on my own. Um, so that's not for everyone. I totally respect that. But I would also say if you're slightly keen, like give it a go, even if it's just a short overnighter. I know a lot of people like you won't even have slept in a tent on your own somewhere. Like just go and do that somewhere local and um, because you'll surprise yourself, I feel. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. So it sounds like you've taken a lot from the trip. Anything else that you feel like we haven't touched on that you did want to speak about at all? Um, shout out to Emerald Police Station because um, I hadn't planned to leave Brian in Emerald. I was going to go from a different town. But with all the weather and everything, I changed my train ticket. So I was going to loop back Long Beach to Emerald. And then when it came to the morning of leaving Emerald, I was like, I don't know where to leave the van because the train station has no parking and it's opposite a pub in the middle of town. And I don't really know what the town's like at night. Um, and so I phoned the visitor information center and was like, oh, if people are taking the train, where do they normally leave their cars? And the elderly gentleman who answered was like, oh, I'm really sorry, I haven't put my hearing aids in, so I can't hear you. So I'll just get someone else. So I waited a while <laughs> while he found a colleague. And then she was just like, oh, like, I, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't park it beside the pub. So I went to the police station. It's a small town thing, right? I popped in and I was like, look, if I'm leaving my vehicle, where shall I leave it? And the police officer that was there just said, like, just leave it with someone that you know and I was like oh, I like I don't know anyone in Emerald that's why I've weirdly come to the police station and um so he asked me what I was doing and I kind of wanted to avoid the conversation of like oh I'm riding my bike blah 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 but anyway I was like oh I'm actually riding to Longreach and getting the train back and he was like oh like what's that for thinking of like a charity ride or something and I was like it's for nothing <laughs> And it was such a good start to my trip. Of totally. Like, yeah, this is this is for nothing. <laughs> it just totally framed it up for just, you. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, he was like, look, there's a parking space literally opposite the police station. Leave it there. He took my name, date of birth, my address, my like van rego and was like, we'll look after it for you. So thank you so much, Emerald Police Station, because it was super random, but very kind. And Brian was still in one piece when I got back. Oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. Well, before we start to look at wrapping up, how was the spirit of the Outback? Talk about that train experience, because you were really excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I was. And I absolutely loved it. I like... My previous plan, like way back when, was to have like a sleeper car. 
Um, because I then shortened my trip, I didn't need that. So I was just like in a normal seat. But it was just like really old school um, and quite nostalgic. There's something about train travel. I'm going to sound like a real grandma. But I used to take the train to school for a while. And this was like in the days of this anyone in Scotland so this was the North Berwick line to Edinburgh and you literally had to pull the window down of the door lean out open the handle and open the door like you just open it up as you're approaching the platform yourself and so this kind of reminded me of that like it actually the doors were electronic but it was that like era um and a very friendly conductor and oh yeah I'm not meant to like tell anyone but essentially when I got there the rules say that you have to break your bike down to travel. And I really didn't want to because at the other end, I was like, oh, I still need to ride to my van, which wasn't far, but it's just like that hassle of taking your bike apart. Um, and so I was like, I'll risk it and just see. So we got to the platform and I was like, oh, do I need to break my bike down? And the guy was like, are you going to Brisbane? I'm like, no. He's like, okay. So don't tell anyone. I mean, I told my Instagram and now I'm telling the podcast. He's like, as long as you're not going to Brisbane, we would rather just take your bike in one piece. So don't worry about it. So that was awesome. Um, so they just took my bike to like the luggage carriage. And then I got to sit on this train for nine and a half hours and like see the views and just do nothing, which was such a luxury, really, because although I'd been doing nothing other than sitting on my bike, it was just like time to reflect and made me think, oh, I actually would probably do the 24 hour trip in future, like as, as an option, because it was just, yeah, it was just different. That's cool. I think that's a really nice way to end the trip as well. Like you said, just being able to reflect on everything before you get back into Okay, so I've got to unload the bike. Ness is coming home. I've got to, you know, get everything cleaned up for the house, you know, back into real life stuff. Mm. I mean, just have that little moment of shavasana almost of just basking in everything that you did, not having to think about driving and all of that stuff. Mm. So I think that's an awesome way to end the trip. Yeah, it was a really cool loop in that sense. It was really good. Yeah. Awesome. And for our final question to wrap it up, <laughs> Sarah. On your trip, what was your wildest wee? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were a few, which has become one of my favorite things about our guests because like everyone was like, this has happened a lot. And like nothing, nothing spectacular. I think before I left, we talked about, I was imagining being in this vast open plain and a mob of emus. I essentially, it was the vast open plain. It was the night of the wild dog camping and like the sun was going down and there's like no trees or anything covering you, long, long road. And I just like quietly had my little wild wee and there just weren't any emus. But looking at this like sandstone escarpment and the sun going down and feeling tired and just like, oh, okay, I'm here. (laughs) Nice. I love that. Perfect way to end it. Well, yes, I would definitely recommend anybody to um, check out Sarah's Instagram. She is doing a day by day. Have you done ever all the day so far? I'm not quite yet, but by the time this goes out, I will have done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, true, 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 true. Um, so yeah, definitely go back there if you want more information. Sarah's more than happy to reach out and yeah. answer any extra questions. I'm sure we could have probably talked for another hour, but we do want to keep it <laughs> like relatively good like for the podcast. So yeah, I'm sure there's much more to get into. Um, so yeah, another episode done and dusted. Mm. Thank you. And congratulations again, because it's a huge thing that a lot of people don't get to do is spend so much time on your bike and having that really cool adventure for yourself as well. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Good one. All right. Well, thank you again, guys. We will talk to you soon and happy adventuring. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of into the wee hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours Podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours Podcast at gmail.com. Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N A E for all you non Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton on Instagram. To read the show notes or to find out more about fast packing and bike packing workshops, visit intothewehours.com or follow at intothewehours on Instagram and Facebook. Happy adventuring and we'll talk to you next time.